always friends. I love you all. But today, today I leave you forever. What? Why, this is lunacy. I cannot forget. I cannot forget it was cutthroats such as you who murdered my family and left me an orphan. Not fair, Freddy. We're orphans ourselves. We would never hurt an orphan. Hello, and welcome to 80s Movie Montage. This is Derek. And this is Anna. And what are the odds that we would be talking about two Oscar-winning movies (laughs) back-to-back? It's just amazing. Phenomenal. That's a low blow. (laughs) I don't know what you're talking about. I mean, it is is quite the swing (laughs) from ordinary people to the pirate movie. I'll give you that. There is not a single ordinary person... (laughs) In this entire movie, which is... The pirate movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What, what is it with that? Mm-hmm. No, that, that, is, that is the movie. It is the pirate movie. I love this movie. I'm so, so happy that we finally get to cover it. And we mentioned at the tail end of the last episode that the reason why we're doing this, and we're going solo this time, is because... So we're... Um, I want to say, like, crossing the 80 movie threshold, like, 80 episodes into this podcast. Okay. Not a single time has anybody (laughs) suggested the pirate movie to cover with them. And then... I believe you, because I think if, (laughs) if like, someone had... Well, no. I mean, if someone had provided, like, a list of 30 movies and this was one of them, Mm -hmm. we would have covered it. Because you would yes. have, yeah, if a single person had included it anywhere well, look, on the list. We'll give you a little bit of insight behind the curtain. So like when when we are doing episodes with guests, you know, they get a lot of say in, in what we're covering. Like it's typically a movie that they love and want to talk about. So Absol- Completely. 100%. It is, it is like what they want to talk about because that is what works best where someone comes in and has like a connection right. or like has a lot to say about it. But usually there's like a couple options on the table. Yeah. And I will say that like when, when we're like considering those options, we do sometimes like lean into a movie where it's like, Oh, they really love this movie, but it may not be a movie that other people are going to like bring up again. Yeah. And so we do kind of choose films based off of a like, mashup of like what they love and what we think we should take advantage of because this person wants to talk about this particular movie shout out to paul for the transformers movie (laughs) so so that's why you're absolutely right like if this had been on anybody literally anybody's list we would have covered it at this point and that's just never happened shockingly to me because i love this movie this movie was like a fever dream (laughs) But but more feverish. And you, so I am also uh, a big lover of like physical media. Um, I yeah. think it's kind of like it just does not sit right with me that you like pay for a download of a movie <laughs> instead of having like a DVD or Blu-ray in your hands. Mm, so yeah. you gifted me the pirate movie, one of my gifts for Christmas. I look. I tried pretty hard to find like the <laughs> um, the 4K HDR. <laughs> Remat digitally remastered director's cut director's cut <laughs> there was none to be found i know i know no this is a tough one so i'm like actually really thankful that i finally have it like literally in hand so that being said we watched it on youtube mm-hmm. sure, right? Not- yeah. well that was because yeah i won't get we, into the reasons sure, why sure. that happened but like yeah it ended up that we just watched it on but YouTube. for anyone that's interested someone at least one person has the entire movie up on youtube with a couple commercials, and it's been up for 10 years. And no, <laughs> nobody's, no one has cared. Nobody's been like, copyright infringement, yeah. taking that down. <laughs> so, okay, so anyway, let's let's dive in. I So as probably people have picked up on, I truly do love this movie. Not to say that there aren't. Uh, so I just, I apologize for interrupting, but I just wanted to uh, first ask you, yeah. as I always do, sure. if you have any thoughts oh. about when you first saw this movie <laughs> that you would like to talk about. Um, sure. Yeah. Before we dive in. Yeah. I mean. It's a little bit different without I was telling a, you, uh, without a yeah, It is. It is different being on the other side of that question. Um, I told you off the record because like I was kind of going into how the, like, to be clear, you had never seen this movie before. 
Uh, we'll get into that. Okay. Yes. <laughs> that is correct. Uh, for me, I was saying that for whatever reason, I don't know if it was just like on cable a ton when I was a kid. Like I'll admit that like the TV was in many times my, my babysitter. Yeah. Um, and this is certainly in the top five, if not like the top three movies that I watched the most as a kid. It was on, I don't know if it was on all the time, but I just somehow watched it all the time. Okay. And that certainly probably makes a difference. It was like imprinted on me as a kid. Okay. And I just, like, I was actually just a ton, not not a ton because it's you, but I was a little bit nervous to introduce <laughs> you to this movie. Look, that, that's fair because I just I just brought it up, the transfer. I was like, broke out into a cold sweat as soon as that movie began. <laughs> So I'm like, oh my God, what am I putting her through? But that being said, it was it was a fun experience. It was, I'm not sure I followed everything that was happening at all times in the movie. Fair. But it was, it, yeah. Okay. It was, it was a wild ride. Well, let's jump into like the details of it. So, okay. So pirate movie um, comes in early in the decade, 1982. Mm-hmm. And... I mean, did you realize before we started, like, that it's based off Pirates of Penzance, the musical? I suspected. Okay. Yeah. So. It felt quite derivative. <laughs> sure. So, so that's, that, the reason why I'm bringing that up is because, like, as we do, we bring up the writers first. So the first credited writer, W.S. Gilbert of Gilbert and Sullivan, the two gentlemen who did quite a few like collaborations musical collaborations together it is based on their property the pirates of penzance i'm not gonna honestly go down all of his imdb writing credits because like he died in 1911 and while he does have 143 writing credits it's just it's like with shakespeare or anybody like that where people have just taken those properties and, you know, have gone on to create other projects with them. But mm. some of the more famous ones, besides Pirates of Penzance, people have done... Like, if you go to IMDb, you're just going to see a lot of repetition of certain names. One of them is the Mikado. So that's yeah. another one of theirs. Um, HMS Pinafore. Okay. It's another more famous one. Like I said, the aforementioned Pirates of Penzance and the Gondoliers. So those were, like, the four that I thought were like the most familiar as far as properties, Gilbert and Sullivan properties that people have gone on to, you know, adapt or whatever. I'm so, sensing a real nautical theme. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I think you're right. Hmm. So the actual credited screenwriter for this film is Trevor Ferrant, is how I'm going to say his name. First feature. It's first credited. Nice. Feature, yeah. Uh, and not, not a ton. So... I'll say this much for, you know, we usually do this section first where we kind of go through the main players behind it in front of the camera. I feel like we're going to go through this more quickly than we typically do because it, it's just really interesting, the people that came together for this project. I mean, if you do watch the movie at the end of the movie, it does say that the entire film was um, shot in Australia. Yeah, this is, hey, this is our second yeah, with, major Australian film. Yeah, it is. Mm -hmm. So outside of the two stars of the film, I think almost everybody has is like British, Australian, like those were the players who were part of it. Um so this particular fellow, I want to say that like that is the case with him too. None of the other properties that I like wrote down that he was part of I, I wasn't familiar with any of them. Okay. Um, but we have mostly television. So we have uh, writing credits for Trevor on theater sports, the Gary Connolly show, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and fast forward, fast forward. He did an episode of uh, Laugh-In. Oh, okay. And then one other film, Struck by Lightning. All right. That's it. That's all we got. So moving on to the director. Now, this is such an interesting fellow. So... Directed by Ken Anakin. 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 Yeah. So, um, A-N-N-A, -N -N -A, just like my name. Oh. Yeah. Uh, by the time he got to the pirate movie, he had been working in the industry for quite a while. His first feature was in 1947 for Holiday Camp. 
Okay. And again, not a ton of properties that I was familiar with, with a couple exceptions. So like there was some series of films called, like it started with like, here come the Hugets, then vote for Huget, the Huget's abroad. Oh, so the, I, the Huget saga. <laughs> but you don't know it, right? No, you I know? don't. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, the Huget saga, correct. Mm. But one of those big exceptions, he was the director on Swiss Family Robinson. Oh. Yeah. I don't know if you're as familiar with this movie as I am. Swiss Family Robinson? Yeah. Yeah. Well, the reason why I say that is because for whatever reason, when I was in school, whenever we had like, I don't know, especially when we had like the the very rare like half day of school for some reason or some, I don't know, our teacher was sick so, you know, we didn't have, like, really a substitute or whatever. The go-to for my school was putting on Swiss Family Robinson. Well, I think <laughs> that may have just been a go-to across... You think so? Elementary schools nationwide. Okay, yeah. okay. I don't know other it's elementary reason, yeah. schools nationwide, but I know for my school, I saw that movie a bazillion times because it was, like... That movie was on a list of, like... You're in a pinch, just plop all the yes, kids down in front yes. of Yes, okay, yeah. that's funny. I didn't realize that that was like more of a general thing. But yeah, so I thought that that was really funny. I've seen that. That movie is like burned into my brain, especially the snake scene. Oh, it was it was burned, but then the burn uh, went away. The I, burn I healed. The burn healed. <laughs> the memory is no longer I mean, so to clear. This day, I mean, that might play a part in why I have a fear of snakes, because of the snake scene. I think it's movie. more from Raiders. I don't know. That's a good point. I wonder which one has more of an... Anyway. And then the other film that I was familiar with that he directed, called the 1972 called The Wild. Okay. Yeah. And then I just put this one in because I thought it was so funny. He directed a film called Cheaper to Keeper. All right. Okay. So that, that was really funny. I mean, I think that's a that's a song... For sure, that like that's a song that I remember from Blues Brothers two thousand of all things. Oh, I, that sounds yeah. like that would have been like a country song, cheaper to keeper. <laughs> anyway, okay, so cinematography, gentleman by the name of Robin Copling, he just passed away. Actually, hmm. he just passed away in August of twenty twenty two. Um, yeah, I mean, again, like I said. I think that a lot of these individuals outside of Christy McNichol and Christopher Atkins were more so in the British and or Australian entertainment scene. And so their credits don't necessarily ring a bell with me. That doesn't mean anything. Among his other credits, uh, I just have several films listed. We have a film called 2000 Weeks, which I did the math. That's about 39 years. Oh. So, yeah. All right. A movie just called Stork. Mm -hmm. And then he was part of a kind of mini, not franchise or series but like a film called alvin purple and then alvin rides again and then who could forget his hit australia's hidden wealth oh okay tv movie in australia okay there you go so that is mr robin copeland um yeah okay so music so here's what's interesting about the music i already mentioned gilbert and sullivan i don't know if between the two of them i i i really don't have um Anything beyond a scratching surface knowledge of Gilbert and Sullivan, it seems like maybe... We are here for your encyclopedic knowledge. <laughs> I'm not a real big musical part, but I, from what it seems like, at least the way that their IMDb credits are broken down, Gilbert was more the writer, Sullivan was more the mute, like... Oh, okay. Yeah, because they have Arthur Sullivan credited with the music, um, from the operetta, Pirates of Penzance. So he, yeah, I was right. He died even earlier than Gilbert. He died in 1900. Oh. So way before Wait. any of this came <laughs> along. Way before. I mean, we not quite of the Shakespeare remove, but... Um, so now we're covering movies where someone involved died 123 years ago. Yes. Okay. Exactly, exactly. And he had... So as far as IMDb, because, you know, you have to get proper credit if it was pulled from their original material he has 57 composing credits but beyond way beyond that he has 358 soundtrack 
credits. Wow. So it does speak to their popularity. Like they have been used, their their materials have been adapted quite a few times. And again, just I listed the same credits. So we have the Mikado, HMS Pinafore, Pirates of Penzance, the Gondoliers. Mm. So, okay. But beyond that, and I was saying this to you when we were watching it, some of the numbers in the film are more directly pulled from the original Gilbert and Sullivan work. And then some were created for the film. So So this film, based on the Pirates of Penzance, Mm -hmm. has songs from the Pirates Mm -hmm. of Penzance, plus other... Correct. Okay. Yeah. And then there are four individuals who are credited for the original songs. Because there's so many, I'm I'm not going to go through all their list of credits. I just wanted to... Because I think that it... Maybe the more pressing point is like it's based off of Gilbert and Sullivan work. Okay. Although personally, I love the original songs in this film. Like I think they're very catchy tunes. And I was telling you that the one song, Kind of Song by Christopher Atkins was like on like a billboard hit chart. It didn't hit number really? one or anything. Yeah. Okay. But it was quite popular. I think even I, if I remembering correctly what I read, he was approached about like recording an album because off of that song and its popularity and his decision. I don't think it ever panned out. Yeah. Um, but the original songs we have credited Terry Britton, Kit Hayne, B.A. Robertson and Sue. I'm sorry. Sue Shrifton. Mm. This is hard to say. Sue Shrifrin. Sue Shifrin. Shifrin. Yes. So we have those four individuals credited for the original songs. Okay, moving on to editor, gentleman by the name of Ken Zimke. And again, not a ton of, although he, um, sometimes I find it really interesting where people, a lot of people I think just like if they work in entertainment, their bread and butter is TV movies. (laughs) They just, you know, maybe it's just like a solid, solid gig to pick up. He has 10 TV movies to his, um, filmography all right and then beyond that uh he did cut on the tv show hogan's heroes so that's a more familiar hilarious show title what a weird concept for a comedy yeah it's like about pow's right yes in, is it world war ii yes world war ii pow's um so we have that we have a film called elvis on tour mm. the captive colon the longest drive to okay Shaker Run, and then probably of all those, the one that is the most familiar, The New Adventures of Pippi Longstocking. Oh. Uh, Some of the miniseries that he uh, worked on, one of them had a title that I cannot let go without um, bringing it up. Studs Lonigan. Nice. He was the editor on Studs Lonigan. Like it. Yeah. All right. Well, we're already at the stars of the movie. All right. I apologize for using up so much time to talk about Studs Lonegan. <laughs> no, not at all. Not <laughs> at all. So I did briefly bring them up already, but this film uh, starring vehicle for Christy McNichol and Christopher Atkins will do Christy first. So it's really interesting because like at this point, I don't know if people realize like Christy McNichol was a pretty big name back when this film first came out. Um, she had... Yeah, like I'm going to go through some of her filmography, but she was very popular at the time. And I don't, I'm not trying to say in any way, like, look, this film was not well received. (laughs) Um, (laughs) We'll make that clear uh, right away. But I'm not saying at all that this like derailed her career, killed her career or anything like that. But, and, and she very well could have made choices on her own. I think she has publicly stated that she's just retired from acting at this point. Mm. And you'll see that not too long after this film, like she had one more very significant credit. And then that was kind of it. Um, Not to say she didn't work, but she didn't have like high profile work, but Hmm. yeah, she, she was a big star when, when this movie came out and it wasn't received, I'm sure as well as, Everybody involved had hoped it would be, but in any case, I mean, you've you've mentioned the um, the critical critical reception. Yes, let's say. I think it got Razzies. Currently, 
it has an approval rating on Rotten Tomatoes of about 9% <gasps> based on 11 reviews. Um, yeah, on Metacritic, it has a weighted average score of 19 out of 100. Hmm. Um, Look, okay. The Irish Times review <laughs> called this movie a travesty. Okay, so look. shout out to the Irish Times, I guess. Oh, uh, okay. Look, there's a couple ways of looking at this. I suppose if you're like a big fan of Gilbert and Sullivan, you might feel like this is some kind of insult to the work that they did. I'm not gonna like try to dispute whatever, but just a couple episodes ago, yeah. we were talking with Jeff Fong about airplane. Yeah, and about silliness. This movie is quite silly and yes it is it is very silly there is nothing heavy about this movie at all there are dumb jokes there are fart jokes there are like and some of the humor there are more more fart jokes than i expected yeah it is ridiculous and silly and that is why i love it i'll give you i'll give everyone the easter egg that i know I know you were excited to tell me about. <laughs> there is a lightsaber in this yeah. movie. There, so there's like, and yeah, there's multiple other like cinema references. Yes, Star Wars, Indiana Jones. Mm-hmm. I don't know how they got away with some of that. I feel like that, a lot of that stuff you just like can't get away with anymore. It was Fox. But you could, you could be, that's true. So that's, maybe there was yeah. yeah, it's ours. But Indy is a Paramount. Um, yeah. What anyway? You can get away with stuff back in the early '80s that you just like can't do. 40 years later. Um, Getting back to Christy. So like she was a child actor. Uh, One of her first projects was a TV show called Apple's Way that I'm not familiar with. But then like kind of maybe her breakout was the film Little Darlings with Tatum O'Neill. Okay. So that was huge. Also huge. I don't know the project personally. Like I never watched this show, but she was on a TV show just called Family. Hmm. And that was like she was on that forever. So that was a huge uh, project for her. And then what you may not know, there's actually another connect- Star Wars connection for her. So she was in a film called The Night the Lights Went Out in Georgia. And I think to your point, you were telling me after we were done watching the pirate movie that you thought rudely that she was a better singer than an <laughs> actor. And she does have a good vo- Like her singing is very much at the forefront of that film. Yeah. The Night the Lights Went Out in Georgia, which also stars Mark Hamill. Holy shit. He is her love interest. That's amazing. I had no idea. Yeah. So I actually would recommend that people, if you don't want to watch the whole movie, there you can easily find clips of it on YouTube. And, you know, there's a clip of, like, her kind of big singing piece in the film. And she's do wearing have a that, fabulous uh, outfit. Do they have, when, like, that overlay where you see the background, but that you see, like, their giant heads singing to each other like you do in the in the pirate movie? No, uh, he's... Every, every time it happened, so I'm like, like, yes. Look, I, this is not a podcast about the night the lights went on. Is it an 80s movie? I think it could qualify. It um, is. It's 81. Okay. Yeah. Maybe we'll do it at some point. So Coming it's up like next. Her, Dennis Quaid, I think their brother or sister... And he's the one that's, like, trying to get a country singing career off the ground. But she actually is the one that is, like, more talented. Okay. In any case. uh, Yeah, so all kind of just, like, me trying to prove (laughs) prove my point, I guess. She is an actor. She was a very popular actor by the time this came out. I mean, I recognize, like, the name. I've I've never seen Little Darlings, but I, like recognize the the key order i knew that she was in that yeah yeah so after though this film again i don't i don't know all the reasons why maybe this film had some kind of an impact on her career maybe not maybe she just made other choices but her next and kind of last big credit is the tv show empty nest oh okay which actually co-stars from ordinary people I definitely remember her from that show. Yeah. I watched I watched a lot of that show. Yeah, I think was actually fun. wasn't Empty Nest a spin-off of Golden Girls? I think it was. Was the it? dad and his name is escaping me, but like the the dad to the two daughters. Um Okay. Cuz it's uh Dinah Manoff from Ordinary People. Oh, so okay. So 
I think he starred on Golden Girls, and I think that became a spinoff. Richard Mulligan. There you go. Starring yeah. as Dr. Harry Weston. Yeah. And I got Dinah's name right, right? Dinah Manoff? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, and that, you know, she also did TV movies. <laughs> she also has like 10 TV movies to her name. But then... She voiced a uh, character for one episode of the TV series Extreme Ghostbusters. Okay. So I, I mean, I'm kind of, and I'm sure it is tied to this film because this film is so beloved for me and it makes me kind of sad that she didn't have more of a career, but that could have completely been her choice. I thought the moments in this movie where she was like, there was a lot of like uh, fourth wall breaking. Yeah. Those were fun. She's funny. Yeah. She's a very funny actress. Yeah. So that's why I'm just a little sad. Like I'm just, I stand Christy McNichol. <laughs> I mean, so. she was on like almost 120, 119 episodes of the Empty Nest show. Yeah. So yeah, yeah totally. Okay, so we'll move on. Chris, Christopher <laughs> Atkins. So he plays Frederick. He plays the you know boy who kind of was brought into the pirate life because um, he was as as the opening clip says mm -hmm. they're all orphans he didn't choose the pirate life the pirate life chose him <laughs> exactly and he tries he tries to leave because like basically he's just like if we're being really honest he's horny yeah no it's a it, almost like it exists in the same universe as greece too <laughs> kind of yeah and he you know that's how he goes on to meet mabel and you know uh hijinks ensue her sisters who are really her like the like the, she's an exchange student so those are all the people that she lived with right well yeah i In mean the dream, that is, so for people gosh and probably a lot of people aren't familiar with this how movie. do you explain the plot of this movie yeah um that's this is probably a great a great moment to <laughs> to explain a little bit usually we don't do that because we're just assuming some familiarity with the films that we cover but this might be one of the more obscure ones. So in any case, it starts with, so it's set in Australia and uh, her character, Mabel. Yeah, it appears like it's never like ex explicit, but it appears that. I had to Wikipedia she, the hell out of this. Oh, the, so that's how you came up with the whole exchange student thing. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so she's like <laughs> probably an American who's there and she's kind of this like. You know, she's she's meant to come across as being this like mousy, kind of quiet, timid type girl. They're very much uh she's all that. Yeah, it's kind of it is it is light years ahead of its time in terms of like yeah. you do her hair and take off her glasses and suddenly she's a bombshell. And uh you know, the character who is Frederick in real life, he is this young hot guy who, you know, does kind of these um, little, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, he he does these little skits to kind of show off yeah, it's, what uh, it was like to be a pirate. It's like Pirate Week in, yeah. in Australia. And yeah. for the purposes of this, let's just say all of Australia was celebrating <laughs> yeah, I don't pi even know. Pirate Week. I don't honestly know where we are in Australia, but... Um, and uh, he and I guess the gentleman that he worked with were doing, like, reenactments yes. of sword fighting yeah. and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. And so he kind of takes a liking to her in a way. Maybe he's just kind of being nice, but he invites her onto her onto his boat. Mm -hmm. He bunks and everything. And all the other girls who they're all, you know, decked out in their little string bikinis and what have you, they overhear this, they take advantage, they all show up for the boat, and they're just mean they're mean girls. They are mean girls. And yeah. they, you know, manipulate and basically like leave the dock without Mabel. She tries to go after them and she's basically like not shipwrecked, but she's like thrown over from her little boat. And then, so most of the movie is a dream. Yep. And, and they make that clear that it's a dream. There's no, there's no like, um, trying to hide that. The only thing they, they, uh, mess with the audience a bit with is like the very intro of the movie that starts off with this like naval battle and music and it's a whole thing. And then when you get the director's credit, it just says the end. And you yeah. realize that you've just been like watching something on a TV. It is a very long opening credit sequence. And again, one of the it's, things that. <laughs> it's so long that when it said the end, I kind of believed it. <laughs> like, all right, that was great. We talk about that too. We're like, again, just in terms of 2023 movies, like that would probably not fly. Where not only is it a huge, like five to t not 10 minutes, but like maybe 
closing in on five minutes yeah. of just opening credits and also pretty sure it was pro- half an hour probably really confusing for the audience if you have no knowledge of what the film is and yeah. you think you're seeing this like kind of old-timey pirate fight like you even so, said something about it and i'm like i don't know what you mean yeah so it's like it probably wasn't the best strategy for how this film opens but in any case so getting back to christopher atkins and and frederick so just he he goes into this film just coming off his first credit which is the blue lagoon Mm -hmm. so highly for for very valid reasons a highly polarizing movie because he and especially brooke shields are extremely young and there's massive sexualization of them in this in that film i should say even for the 80s it went too far Even for the 80s yes uh and then they kind of do like a i don't want to say nod to that film but like the scene where he and mabel go to get the map from the pirate kings it's like tattooed on his back the outfit that frederick is wearing is like very much reminiscent of how he was attired in the blue lagoon look they they I'll, I'll use air quotes and say that they borrowed quite a bit yeah. from a number of things. And so why thing, not? Like, it's interesting. Cause like that film, the blue lagoon had a lot of like notoriety because of the subject matter and the way that actors were used in it. So he was like popular in his own right because of all the conversation yeah. around the blue lagoon. And Again, like I'm not I'm not saying anything about like how this film could like may have negatively impacted either of their careers, but like he was very popular and well known at the time and then this film comes out. I mean, among his credits post the pirate movie, like we have coming off of it A Night in Heaven, which again, like he had three movies in a row that really focused on his like physicality, his looks. Yeah. His, like, sexual whatever. And so post A Night in Heaven, then he actually was on Dallas, the TV show. For, 27 episodes. Yeah, so there he had go. a good stint on that. A couple other films. We have Mortuary Academy, which I thought sounded kind of interesting. His name, Max Grimm. Ooh, I like that. Yeah. He was in another interesting sounding film, Dracula Rising. Oh, he was Vlad. So this I thought was interesting. So Brooke Shields, this isn't a, a, a podcast about Brooke Shields or an episode about her, but she went on to do a TV show called Suddenly Susan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He is in one episode of it. So That's it's like kind of a little mini reunion for them. He was in the film Assassin's Code. He does come back to the Blue Lagoon, not franchise, although there was like a remake of it with Mila Jo... How do you say her last name? Jojovich? Yeah. From, um, yeah. From Fifth Element? Yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So they redid that movie, but he comes back for a TV movie called Blue Lagoon, The Awakening. Oh. And then he's in a film called Kids vs. Monsters. He also has done his fair share of TV movies. He's done nine of them. So, and he's still working. Like, he's not retired. He's working. So, Christopher Atkins. Okay, moving on to who... I think yes. We both, yeah, we both agree. This guy like was the actual star. Oh of my this god! Movie. Yeah, he, he was like the soul, not the soul. I don't want to say it. He was what kept me interested mm-hmm. at all times. Whenever he was on the screen, Ted Hamilton, crazy, plays the pirate king. Yeah, he sure does. And the great thing about being a pirate king is that being a pirate king is great. <laughs> He's he is awesome. In this movie. He he really is. He is <laughs> so charismatic. I, I'm not going to lie. He was the best thing about yes. this movie for me. He knew the assignment. Mm-hmm. He, he knew what kind of movie this was. He fully commits to it. 101,000%, which is he a lot. Is, like any moment of this movie with him in it. And I love Chris McNichol and Christopher Atkins, but he is like, I, I just... I love this performance. Like, I know that for what this movie is, that probably sounds really ridiculous, but he's so good in this movie. And it's, his career is interesting. I mean, I, I never really saw him in anything else, but when I did just a little bit of research and he's still with us, like he's in his like mid eighties at this point, but he was more, he was like more of a singer from what I gather. Like that really was where his career oh. was. Okay. Which it makes sense. Like he's, 
in this movie great with the musical numbers yeah you know of which there are many and he's very he's like just very much a performer like that i think speaks to where he was at this point in his career like his charisma just like blew out of the water yeah. anyone else that was like in a in a scene with him he like owned every scene he was in <laughs> yes he yeah and and he i i didn't take it to be that he was like a selfish actor he's just so yeah. so much of a presence yeah. on screen that i'm actually kind of shocked that he didn't go on to do more film or tv work he did now with one big exception so like because if you go to his imdb you're not gonna see a ton of credits he was on like something like over 200 episodes of a tv show called and he's he is australian so like i take it that these are all australian properties he was on a show called division four and that was much earlier in his career i think it was like late 60s early 70s yeah that he did that but again like i think most of his career was more solidly in the like singing performance sing like singer he did type. some like a bunch of one-offs in tv series he he did he did he um was on the love boat tv movie so he did that but nice yeah and he, he also captain. oh okay yeah. i mean one thing that is interesting about this film so he is probably third build pretty solidly yeah yeah he also was the executive producer on it so he very much was behind this movie happening which Again, like, he was so good. I just don't understand. And maybe it was a choice that he made that, like, okay, this was fun, but this isn't exactly what I want to be doing with my career. I don't well, know. 230 episodes almost of a show. Yeah. I feel like he's he's probably in a decent place. And if you have, sure. like, a singing career to go along with that. Yeah. And then a few, like, what? Yeah, he's probably good. He's probably like, I'm good. And he was great in this. I just love I, – I – now I'm just kind of becoming redundant, but I think, yes, we're both in agreement that he was truly the star of this movie. He's the best thing in this movie. Yes. For, Agreed. For sure. Like, even at the <laughs> at the fucking end when, like, man, you, you went through some of the plot, but the, the plot about, like, okay, so Frederick wants to marry Mabel, but Mabel's sisters, quote unquote, mm-hmm. from, from the dream all had to get married off first. So they find other pirates to match him up with, including the pirate King. Yeah. But the, but then his outfit. Oh, it's amazing. <laughs> yes. All of his outfits are amazing. Yes. Yeah. He's like the best dressed person in this entire movie. Yeah. So yeah, we love Ted Hamilton. He's awesome. Okay. So moving on to Bill Kerr, who plays Stanley's father and he is major general Stanley. These are all characters that, again, come out of Pirates of Penzance. Whose father? Mabel. Ah. Yeah. And, again, you know, he's he's an older gentleman in this film, and so he had already had a long career before this movie ever came along. His very first credit is from 1933. Good Lord. A film called Harmony Row. Oh. And some of his other credits, again, we're kind of flying through a lot of these people because... They don't necessarily have like lengthy filmographies and or filmographies with properties that like probably most of our audience or or me, I should only speak for myself, like are familiar with. But some of his other credits include My Death is a Mockery. I love it. Great title. <laughs> it really is. Say, kind of on the same line. The Night My Number Came Up. Hmm. Some TV work. A lot of TV work, in fact. He was he was on the show Gary Holiday. Uh, a show called Compact, Glenview High, and this is uh, sounds a little bit more familiar to us, The New Adventures of Black Beauty. Okay. And then he also was in the 2003 Peter Pan. He was so, in a... Which it um, wasn't, well, almost 20 years, no, exactly 20 years ago. <laughs> ah! Another uh, 80s movie, the title of which I do recognize, The Year of Living Dangerously. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're absolutely right. So that is Mr. Bill Kerr. Okay, so moving on to now, I'm circling back to the point you just made about everybody getting coupled up at the end. Yeah, it was so, a requirement for the happy endings. It was, but not exactly for like, so you're absolutely right. Like the sisters, quote, had to get married off first. The Pirate King, now he, he thought Mabel was the person that he was intimate with because that's another sequence in the film. Yeah, but it they, actually was Ruth. It sounds a lot like they, um, they, uh, geez, what is that movie where they did the switcheroo, the, uh, revenge, they revenge of the nerds. Oh, him. Yeah. They completely revenge of the nerds. Yes, him. Problematic. 
whether or not it is the man or the woman who is not aware of who they are having sex with, not great to have that. Not an take uncommon place uh, joke. Yeah. yeah, 80s 80s movies love that. Mm-hmm. So that's exactly what happened. Like Mabel pretends to be attracted to him so that Frederick can copy the map off of the Pirate King's back. Because they needed to find where the treasure that was stolen from Mabel's dad was located, right? Exactly. All right. Well done. You were following it just fine. (laughs) And once they get what they need, she puts a blindfold on him under the guise of it being like foreplay. Mm, And then she leaves Ruth comes in. Now, Ruth is like, I don't I don't know exactly what you call her character, but she's like the one woman on the pirate ship. Yeah. Um, she's like, and from what you can tell, she does like the cleaning and the sewing and the this and the that. And sometimes she spends time with the guy. Like I mean, it, the the moment when the pirate king sings his song and then like does that that pirate move where he jumps and kind of uses a knife to land all the, like he's, he's yeah. like going down the sail with yeah. the knife. And then he looks at her and he's like, sew that up, will you? Yeah. Sew and that she, up, love. Yeah. And she's like. <sighs> yeah. So she eventually becomes his love interest once he realizes that she is the person that he spent the night with. And the, the actor who plays Ruth, Maggie Kirkpatrick, mm-hmm. again, Australian actress. So some of her credits, we have a film, very dramatic sounding, The Night, The Prowler. There are, oh, The Night, just The Night, The Prowler? The Night, comma, The Prowler. <laughs> okay. There are a lot of The Nights. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. you're right. Re- represented throughout all of the people in this movie. A common theme with a lot of these actors is like they were attached to a particular TV show and like that's where they probably like made their name. So she was on 390 Holy episodes. Holy cow. Yeah. Of a TV show called Just Prisoner. Prisoner. So that was like her big thing. She was also on a TV series called Richmond Hill, a film called Welcome to Whoop Whoop. What? Welcome to Whoop Whoop, <laughs> which I like. And another TV show called Home and Away. All right. Okay, so the last of our actors that we're covering is Gary McDonald. So he plays, like, the inspector um, very much. Oh, man, the inspector guys. Yeah. I mean, Fucking he, love them. he is 100%. I don't even think they're trying to, like, pretend otherwise that he's just spoofing Inspector Clouseau. Every single Panther. time they would show the inspector and like all of the other like officers, cops, yeah. whatever, they just they would have like intentionally funny walks, dance type yeah. moves. I loved it. It was it was great. Yeah, because they, they just fun. show up. You're like, oh my god, they're back. Yeah, they're fun. So yes, he very much is doing his impression of Inspector Clouseau mm-hmm. and some of his other credits. Again, I think very solidly, like most of these other actors outside of McNichol and Atkins are all Australian performers. So his credits include Picnic at Hanging Rock. That was a film school movie. Oh, um, I watched a TV series called the Norman Gunston show. A film, this is interesting, Ghost Can, capital C, capital A, capital N, can do it. Ghosts mm, can do it. Okay. Whatever that is. Another TV show, couple, TV show called Mother and Son, as well as Fallen Angels. He does have a role in the film Moulin Rouge, the Baz Luhrmann. Nice. Yeah. And then a couple more TV shows, Love is a Four-Letter Word. Let me, yeah. <laughs> and Offspring. Okay. Okay, so film synopsis. What could we possibly have for this film I'm synopsis? I'm just going to say right now, it is a terrible, terrible film synopsis. Lay it on me. Okay, so the crew of a large ship sail the high seas encountering other pirates from other ships. Hmm. Yeah, kind of, sort of, but that's like five minutes of the whole movie. The boy from the ship ends up having to save his girlfriend who is kidnapped by a bunch of other pirates. Not really. So if the movie got like 9% on Rotten Tomatoes, I'm giving this synopsis 2%. It's a really 
maybe one of the worst that we've come across. This is this is uh, the definition of low effort. It is like it's like they had somebody who only watched ma- like the again, intro, ma- maybe the intro. Yeah. <laughs> Do do the synopsis like it's so off the mark with what the film is actually about. It I would mean, be difficult to actually give a synopsis on what the movie is actually about. Well, I mean, hey, you could just say like a girl, you know. Who, <laughs> no, 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 give me a second. I'm thinking of this on the fly. But like you just have a girl, you know, has a dream where she's, you know, part of an older I don't know, a time where there are pirates and she falls in love with the former pirate and they have to, you know, whatever, find Like, there were ways... Okay, so that was a young great... woman shipwrecked, <laughs> dreams of her love, a young pirate, as they continue on an adventure to recover lost treasure and become married. So that is... Become married. <laughs> so that is... Much better version than mine. Still probably a little wordy. For I mean, synopsis, I had some but, time to think it but, through. But oh. much better. And if I may say, even mine, my my half-completed synopsis is much better than this one. Oh, yeah. This one's rubbish. This one is terrible. But that's what... Yeah. That's what and we I'm got. Not, not sure <laughs> what, what the... Um, policy is on imdb with like saying like i would like to redo the synopsis hey or something but call to action we're gonna find out <laughs> we're gonna find out what we can do to to restore upon yeah how do we fix synopsis. this because i think it might honestly like if somebody wasn't familiar with the film i mean people decide to watch or not watch a movie based on a million different factors yeah and so if like for some people they read a synopsis they're like well no i'm not interested in that like they are not getting an an accurate representation through the synopsis of what this film is about. I mean this sincerely. Anyone that knows what what process you would need to go through to either like correct or just rewrite a synopsis on IMDb, please let us know. Please let us know. Call to action. So, you know, at this point, like, honestly, we usually go into our guest segment. We've already kind of, uh, we've dived, dived? Dove? Dove? we dove into you know how we usually open those segments i mean i feel like at this point you know you kind of deflected when i said oh you'd never seen this movie so i i was prodding you a little bit after the film was over to get a sense of how you felt about it you can be very honest i'm not going to take it personally i would say that of all the films that i had no like no prior knowledge of, never seen it before. Fire with Fire is still the most mm-hmm. surprising mm-hmm. one mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. like that was an actual like real fun time. Mm-hmm. This isn't that far off from that. Okay. And, and when I think of a somewhat nonsensical storyline in Fire with Fire, it felt pretty tight compared to, <laughs> compared to this. But, but like if I think about it for like, for what it is and what it was intended to be. Like we talked a little bit earlier about just like kind of the, the the loss of just a silly film. Mm -hmm. Like this was intended to be like a silly kind of like parody homage, if you will, of pirates of Penzance. It was probably meant to be a vehicle to like showcase these young stars Mm -hmm. that, that like had some notoriety at the time and had talent. So like I, I'm not surprised. Like I, I did read that it became kind of a cult classic after it was just like repeatedly put on HBO in the oh, 80s. Oh, well, maybe then so that's why. <laughs> maybe maybe that why was I it. saw it so much as a kid. So I, I mean, it's it's so silly. It's such a. I mean, look, the one of the sword fights between Frederick and the Pirate King devolve into him using a lightsaber. It was it was wild. Which look, I'm not. I, I don't want the pitchforks coming after me for this, but like. When you consider that, yeah, just a couple episodes ago, we covered Airplane. Yeah. The silliness factor is, like, pretty much on par. Here's here's the wildest thing I could possibly say about it. We talk about this in the last movie that we covered, Ordinary People, when you asked me would I watch it again. Sure. I'm more likely to watch the pirate movie again than I am Ordinary yeah. People because of what we just talked about with, like, how silly... And, like, there are moments where, like, you literally will just laugh out loud because of how ridiculous it all and is. And if I may, the songs are good. The songs in this film... Like I said, it is a very <laughs> silly movie. I 
I do. I mean, I was singing along. You with, were. Yeah. You were. Yeah. And because that's that's like how much I love those songs and I know those songs pretty well. Are they going to have this? Are they going to have a sing along for the pirate movie at the Hollywood Bowl? Sadly. Oh, my gosh. It'd be amazing. Uh, so, call, call to action number two. Sadly, yeah, I don't think Who do think we it's... need to talk to at the Hollywood Bowl to have a sing along? Um, hey, we have a YouTube clip. Can you play off that? <laughs> it. Like I said, I I realized that me having seen it as a child quite a bit yeah. definitely changes my perspective. And we've even had this, like, I've seen things where even films that maybe generally get more positive reception, you know, people generally, as an example, seem to love The Goonies. But I've seen people say, I only saw The Goonies as an adult and I don't get it. Like, I don't get why people love that movie so much. Yeah. So I understand why, to some degree, people would be like, this movie is ridiculous. Well, but why yeah. is that bad? Why, why does every film have to... You're looking at me a certain way. I, <laughs> You're I, fired up. I, I am fired up because, like... Look, there are plenty of films out there that just don't resonate with me and I just move right along. Yeah. You know, like I don't I don't really feel the need to bash a film unless I'll, this is a big unless. Unless like and for sure this film has problematic elements. We've already talked about one or two of them. Yeah. You know, <laughs> there, there's a few more, even beyond there's, that. There's a few more. <laughs> um but it just unless there's like some really like here are the here are the movies that I will bash, things like um, Last Tango in Paris and the way that that actress was treated. Mm. Um, usually it comes down to like treatment of like certain performers or things like that. Like even The Shining and the way that Shelley Duvall. Like I yeah. I'll be really honest. Well, not a huge fan of Kubrick because of his tactics. You're generally less likely to like bash a movie for the content itself as much as like some of the behind the scenes, the mm -hmm. people involved. But I think you have a pretty like deep respect for the fact that these people got something done and whether you like it or not, it is not easy to get a film made, produced, distribute, like any of that stuff. So even if you take a movie like the pirate movie, which I'm not going to say is a great movie because I don't think it is, but I can say that it is a like fun, entertaining movie yeah. and people were really like putting their all into it. For sure, Ted Hamilton yep. put everything into it. Yep. So, yeah, I mean, like, not everything has to be the Godfather. Exactly. And especially, you know, I think it might have come up with uh, Jeff during the airplane episode or just in conversation. I know we we talk about this, not a lot, but often enough where it's like, I don't, I don't necessarily have the bandwidth anymore for, like, super serious whatever type films and or television because like I do just want to be put in a mood to laugh and take my mind off whatever is going on yeah. in my life or in the world. Like I appreciate so much that there are people out there. Now granted I definitely get sensitive about the way that people don't necessarily look to comedy as like as quote important as other types of films. Fools. Yeah. It's it's not humor comedy is so subjective so i'm not saying that every comedy should hit your funny bone but i really do respect people who like they just want to bring laughter and levity and a little bit of brightness into people's lives through their projects and i love that this film is just a silly good-natured movie and just wants to do that you know i mean this this movie is literally an ocean wide <laughs> and an inch deep <laughs> Oh, I don't know. Is that like a saying? I've never heard that before. I don't know if I said that right, but <laughs> I'm just saying it, it lacks depth. Sure. But that's fine because it was never meant to really like have that. That's not, that's not the point of this movie. Going back to something that you said though, I think partly why for me at least the film works is I will say that it feels like everybody, all the main players, they really commit. Like um, in particular, when we were watching the big number that the major general does. Yeah. I am a major general. He's he fucking for sure is. Yeah. And that that is that was a hard number to put like the way, like the rapid speech and singing that he has to carry out. Like everybody who is part of this, I mean I, I've seen films where I'm like, 
I don't, I don't know. Like, it feels like, okay, they're doing it for a paycheck. And now probably most times you are like, yeah, people got to yeah. make a living. But I also really appreciate when people just wholeheartedly embrace the ridiculousness of certain films. And yes, we've now at this point, multiple times brought up Ted Hamilton and that he does exactly that. But I think everybody because it's does. So it, it's man, it, it's just, it's insane to me. Like his performance. Yeah. In this movie. Yeah. But even just like, you know, Christy McNichol and Christopher Atkins. I'm just going to say it. Atkins, weakest person in this movie for me. <laughs> McNichols, like, was was pretty solid. Like, the fourth wall moments were fun. Uh, she's, yeah. she's a funnier performer. Yeah. She, she can embrace the humor a little bit more. Blue Lagoon, though, left me wanting a little bit. <laughs> Although I will say that, like, I think that they're a fun, like, young, hot couple, yeah. whatever. He had, he, were, like, he had his moments. Like, that. on the whole, this movie is a certain way. But if you like, like a lot of the things that the, like a lot of the movies that we cover, you like find moments that like really stand out. Yeah. And like the whole thing with like, oh, you're going to have to get the, the map from his back, but he never takes his shirt off. Right. And then, like, that whole ridiculous scene where he's, like, hiding outside the, like, the window. Yeah, like, the ship. Yeah, so, like, there were some, like, good comedic, like, like physical comedy. Like, mm -hmm. the physical performance was, mm -hmm. was there for sure. That's a really great point. There, this film leans heavily into physical comedy. Yeah, and, and he was good at that. Yeah. When, when it came time to, you know, say things that weren't songs. <laughs> Not not his strong suit in this movie. Sorry. Like obviously he's got he'd gone on to be in a number of things afterwards, but for purposes of just this movie, eh. fair fair. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna ar really argue anything because I understand why this isn't necessarily on anybody's top ten list. But it it is just it's on someone. It's it's on yours. So on, there you go. It's probably on mine. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and it's funny because like over the course of my life, like this film's kind of drifted in and out. Like I had kind of forgotten about it for a while because it's not it's like not really you're not just gonna accidentally come across this on tv no you're it's not. not it's just you're not, not. Yeah. yeah but it's funny because you know obviously we have like social for the podcast and um recently you know i do like a series every month that kind of covers a certain whatever and so last month i did movie musicals from the 80s mm -hmm. and this was one of them and i was actually very surprised by the reception in terms of people being like oh i love that movie there and are dozens of you <laughs> so it it is i mean as you said like i guess maybe it has cult status although like i don't really i still don't really hear it talked about so um I was surprised. I was actually very surprised when people responded to me posting about the film and that they were familiar with it and that more so that they enjoyed it. So mm. in any case, I'm just really glad that we have finally had the chance to talk about it because it is, it is fun for me. It is something very much from my childhood. I'm happy it's that I got a memory. Yeah. I'm happy that I got a chance to see it. I know that you love this movie and mm -hmm. it was fun watching it with you. Yeah. Thanks for that. You're welcome. Thanks yeah. for watching it with me. <laughs> of course. So, and I mean, I don't like to your point with the whole, ocean wide and inch deep it's a uh, a mile wide and inch deep is like the technical oh, phrase but because okay. of the nautical theme i nice yeah, okay switched it up a little. there there you go i don't know if there really is much else to cover i mean it it's just a funny silly film and what i'll say is if you anybody listening to this if you want just a ridiculous movie to turn your brain off to yes keep in mind there are a couple very 1980s-esque type um, moments where, like, there's some problematic um, material. Yeah, sure. But you know mind. what? I'm going to say watch this movie because every single scene that you see Ted Hamilton in is the Pirate King. You will be thanking yourselves yeah. for watching it. Yeah. Because he really is yeah. just the standout yeah. star of the movie. So, all right. Well... I mean, now as far you kind of we already, did it, you yeah we did it, and you already 
act well kind of answered my question you know usually at this point i ask like if this is a movie you would watch again now you said <laughs> yeah you would yeah. rather watch it than ordinary people i'm more but... likely to watch this again than ordinary people Okay, but I'm not necessarily take... saying I want to watch it. Well, that was my question. Is like, let's take ordinary people out of the equation. Yeah. So if it, and you're right, like, I don't know if I've ever seen this film, like, scrolling through, through TV. I don't, I don't think I've ever seen it. If there's it. nothing on, if they're like, hey, what should we put on? And you're like, what about pirate movie? I'd say, let's throw it in. Let's okay. do it. Yeah. And yeah. for me, you know, I typically like work from home and usually I just have like movies in the background, like, like movies that I know really well. So I'm not distracted by them while I'm working. And this more often than not happens to be one of them that I throw on. We weren't able to use the, the DVD player to, to watch it that way. Mm -hmm. I suspect that it would be a little bit, a little bit nicer if we, if we're able to, yeah, like YouTube, we're watching, we're watching what someone, <laughs> I have no idea how they like ripped that movie and, and got it uploaded to YouTube 10 years ago. Yeah. But hey, there Somebody you go. who has great taste in movies. Absolutely no barrier to access for this movie. <laughs> so as far as call, we've had a couple calls to action that mine, I'm dead serious about fixing the, the synopsis. That's mine. It, re- it really is bad. It's, <laughs> it's really a- bad. I mean, I'm. Because of what I was just saying, where I was kind of surprised by the reception online when I was just, like, posting about the movie, I'm really curious, like, how many people that listen to this podcast are familiar with this movie. Like, if they have any – if they knew about it, maybe they knew about it, but they hadn't actually watched it yet. Mm -hmm. Or if they're similar to me, where, like, this is just a film from their childhood. I – I don't have quite a pointed call to action because I just – this is one of the more obscure films – that we've covered on the podcast. So I just want to know who my people are out there who also <laughs> love the pirate movie. So you can get in touch with us. As I mentioned through social, we're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. It's the same handle for all three. It is at 80s Montage Pod and 80s is 80S. Mm-hmm. You know, we could cover the the movie, the, the other movie that is basically the actual Pirates of Penzance named... The Pirates of Penzance. Oh, you know what? When did that one come out? 1983. Yeah, I want to say... You know who's in it? Kevin Klein. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I. So don't quote me on this, but I think I read they pushed production on this one because they became aware that that other one was coming out. A year later. Yeah, and they wanted to get it out ahead of it. I mean, look, they have to. You have to get ahead of the actual Pirates of Penzance movie when it stars Kevin Klein, Angela Lansbury... And Linda Ronstadt. You got to get wow. ahead of that. You get no okay. chance if you go after that. Who does Angela Lansbury play? Yes. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, sneak peek. Hmm. Sneak peek of what's coming up next. What could it be? What do you, what do you got? What do you got hints wise? Oh, boy. Uh, oh, wait. Yeah. I got it. <laughs> Tell, tell okay. me, tell, tell me if this would work. Okay. So only because I know you know. <laughs> there's, I feel like in no universe would that. We're be gonna a, start with that. Would that be a clue that anybody else would ever? No one would get that. Ever get. So you're actually. It's funny that I usually come up with the sneak peek, but you're giving me the clue. <laughs> I'm, not only am I giving you the clue, I'm going to tell you right now, that is going to be how the next one starts. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Of it's course, it has to be. Yeah. And for everybody who's like, what the fuck are they <laughs> going on about? <laughs> Broadcast news. Yeah. No, my favorite my favorite scene from that movie is when they do like the, uh, the test Big of finish. the new... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which... It's funny that that's what we're bringing up because it has zero to do no, with any of the three main characters. But we've talked about it so much now, I have to have it as the uh, intro. Exactly. Just so yeah. people will have context. No, I'm excited to talk about this one. Uh, it is... What a tease. Gonna have to wait two weeks. That's true. Yeah. As as we do. Yeah. We do it every two weeks. But no, I'm really excited. I'm excited about the guests that we're going to have on. Mm-hmm. Uh, it had been a while since I had seen that film. And it's, it's great. Like there's just, there's a lot to, um, 
I don't know if this is like a lame way to put it, but there's like a lot to chew on. There is. With this there film. For sure is. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. All right. Well, on that note, thank you to everyone for hanging with us. We appreciate that with all your podcast choices that you are listening to us. It does not go yeah. unrecognized. Hey, we get it. Everyone's going out now. No one's <laughs> we lost our uh, we lost our captive audience like a year or two ago. Oh. Yeah. That's not true. Everyone was stuck at home. Okay. No. So thanks to everybody <laughs> and we will talk to you again in 2 weeks time.